Good afternoon, 12 So great to be here with all of you. Saints, um, I, uh, I don't want us to miss whenever we have moments when God does special things in our community. You know, it's an issue of, of values. There, there really isn't, there really is no um, investment that has as great a return on investment as the preaching of the gospel. And people who preach the gospel, who are faithful with the preaching of the gospel, are heroes not only in our eyes, but in the eyes of God. So I don't want us to miss that moment. I want us to give true honor. The testimony that Mam Gechi gave just now is, is a phenomenal testimony. And I want us to celebrate that with the appropriate level of, of honor towards God and, 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 uh, and the courage that she displayed in, 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 in obedience and being willing to step out. I want us to celebrate Jesus. I want us to celebrate her. And I want us to celebrate our new brother, Daniel, who's here with us. Can we stand to our feet and give God glory to people who would walk in obedience to his name? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, saints. Thank you, guys. Please be seated. That moment really isn't about shining a spotlight on anybody, but really on Jesus Christ. And when we walk out in obedience and boldness before him, it is he, he who gets the glory. I want to encourage us. Could we be a community of people who practice that space where we get, man, I... I I'm going to go outside of my comfort space. I'm going to do things that are inconvenient to me for the sake of the many souls that may not encounter Jesus if I don't do anything about it, who may not ever get to heaven if I don't ever do anything about it, that I can be part of the army that God uses to populate his family. So we love that. We love that. We love those testimonies. And if you have those testimonies, encourage us with those testimonies. Let us know that God is doing that so we can celebrate it also. I love that it speaks also into really the theme that we've been seeing throughout the morning and the theme that we're going to be discussing today. And so we have a real special treat today and uh, we're going to be receiving, um, I, I have the privilege of tag teaming today with a daughter in this house. And so I'm going to welcome Matilda up and she's going to share the first part of the word. Come on, Matilda. Hello, Twelvers. I feel a little bit... <laughs> I feel a little bit more confident in this service compared to the previous two. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Matilda, and I'm part of the discipleship team here at Every Nation Rosebank. Come on, make some noise. Come on, discipleship team. <laughs> so this, there's this thing we have in the discipleship team that we call our three favorite F-words. Yeah, everybody's like, who let this girl on the stage? <laughs> well, let me quickly explain to you what they are. They follow, fellowship, and fish. You see, as disciples, we believe that we are called to follow Jesus fellowship with other believers, and fish for men. So today, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the fish aspect and actually how to have fun in fish, and it is possible. So I'm going to show you guys a quick clip.
for many of us, the thought of evangelism makes us feel the way I felt right before I did that jump. Absolutely terrified. So I want to tell you a little bit more about my experience when I did this jump. So basically what happens is they strap you into a safety harness and then they attach you to a rope. And this rope is pulling up and away from you. And that's why in the video you see me leaning back. Because if you don't lean back, you're going to end up flipping forward and falling before you want to. And so um, they're attaching me to this rope and my instructor, my instructor is listing all these instructions. And I'm sure like on a normal day-to-day -day basis, he would have been going at a normal pace. But for me, he was listing it way too fast. And I was like, bro, slow down. These are instructions that could save my life. <laughs> and so he tells me, okay, so while leaning back, you're going to take a few steps to the edge of this cliff, and then on the count of three, you're going to jump. And so I agree, and I just think, just follow the instructions, just follow the instructions. And I go, and I get to the edge of the cliff, and before I know it, the man says three, and I am falling. So I'm sure many of us have heard the story of people who have near-death experiences and they say things like, and my life flashed before my eyes, and I knew Jessica was the one for me because she's all I could think about in that moment. <laughs> that doesn't happen at all. <laughs> Literally everything stops. As you're falling, your mind stops, your thinking stops, your breathing stops, your feelings stop, everything just stops and you're just free-falling. The good news is that you do feel again, you, you regain feeling, but when you do, the first thing that you feel again is not amazement, oh my gosh, I just did this, this is amazing, or, you know, um, what the heck did I just do? Uh, instead, what you feel is the integrity of that rope pulling tight and stopping your fall, and thinking, thank goodness this works. <laughs> so why am I telling you this story? Well, it's because it reminds me of another story in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. As you turn there in your Bibles, I just want to give you some context to what happened to Paul before he wrote this letter to this church. So Paul had been in Asia for a while, preaching the gospel. And Paul comes under extreme persecution for preaching the gospel. And we read in chapter 1 that Paul says that it was so bad, the persecution was so hard, that he actually despaired of life. And Paul has this near-death experience for preaching the gospel. And you would think that when he comes back, he'll dial it back a little bit, shift into second gear, speak about prophecy, you know, not really talk about evangelism. But that's not what he does at all. In fact, he says, you guys should try it. You guys should do this. And so we come to our scripture for today. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecu per persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then... Death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, 
so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase the glory of God. Paul has a near-death experience for preaching the gospel in Asia, and he comes back and he says, I want you to do this. But he doesn't just say, I want you to do this. He says, it's actually for your good that you do this. That's pretty crazy. I don't know about you, but that's not the best sales pitch I've ever heard. I'm not thinking, sign me up. Where do I start? I don't really want to die. So what brings a person to the point that they experience death and still want others to experience the same thing? What drives us to that point? Well, it brings me back to my story about how the first thing you feel is that rope proving itself true and stopping your fall. And this is exactly what happens when we preach the gospel. You see, what happens is, the first thing we don't, the first thing we don't feel is, oh my gosh, this person just got saved, I'm so excited, or disappointment, this person just rejected me, and now I don't know what to do. Those are not the first things we feel. We do feel those things, but it doesn't come first. What comes first is the integrity of the gospel pulling tight in our lives and stopping our fall. You see, the more we preach the gospel, the more we feel it. Scott McNamara puts it like this. The gospel is self-destructive. The more you share it, the more you die to yourself. If we ever want to feel the gospel, we're going to have to take it out. So we know that preaching the gospel is for our benefits, and the more we do it, the more we experience it, and it transforms our lives. But this doesn't mean that it's suddenly easy to do or even fun to do. Man, I don't even know where to start. You may be sitting here thinking that. Well, don't worry. I got the answers. <laughs> so why is there so much fear and intimidation, intimidation surrounding evangelism? Well, Paul says something interesting a little bit earlier in verse 3. He says, But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Paul is basically writing, encouraging the church that, listen, not everybody you engage with the gospel is going to want to receive it. And I think as a church, we hear this a lot, and we know this. We know that everybody we go out to is not going to be open to hearing the gospel. But it got me thinking that maybe we know this a little too well. Maybe we're a little bit too comfortable with the fact that people are going to reject me, so I'd rather just not do it. Yeah. I think that we begin to focus on different things. We begin to focus on rejection versus acceptance. You see, we want people to like us. Even right now, as a human standing on this stage, I want you guys to like this message. Okay? If you don't like it, I'm going to feel really hurt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we really want people to like us, and that is just something that we as humans experience. And we know that there's no way around it when it comes to evangelism. But John 15 verse 18 says, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. You see, we're rejected because we have been accepted by the King of Kings. And so we do not, we, we need to shift our focus from people are going to reject me when I preach the gospel to 
because I have been accepted by this amazing king of kings, I want others to experience the same acceptance, even if they have to reject me because of it. Another thing we focus on is results versus obedience. I don't know what this is going to look like when I go down this cliff. When I do this jump, how do I know that this rope won't snap and I won't fall? You don't. You're just going to have to do it. You're not going to have all the answers to all the questions. People are going to ask you things about evolution, and you're going to be there like, I don't know. <laughs> you don't need to have all the, the answers. You see, even the Bible says that God qualifies the called, doesn't call the qualified. Now I'm wondering if the Bible says that. The Bible doesn't say that. Someone great once said that. <laughs> But you see, we focus so much on the performance and the results of our performance. Like, I need to somehow convince these people that Jesus is actually what they need and want in their lives. And if I don't, I failed. But we allow that to stop us from being obedient. We celebrate fruitfulness. As a community, as a family, we celebrate fruitfulness in other people's lives. We are after fruitfulness. When you get the promotion, we celebrate it. When you get the salary raise, we celebrate it. When you encounter people with the gospel and they get saved, we celebrate it. But the thing is that it required faithfulness in order for there to be fruit. And we need to understand that if we're not going to obey God and go and make disciples, then we're not going to see fruit. And the last thing that we focus on is it's a heavy task versus an act of love. You know, we all have this idea that it takes someone special, someone who wakes up at 3 a.m. and cries for lost souls. It takes that guy. That's not me. I don't do that. I wake up crying for my own life. (laughs) So we always think it needs to be someone else, someone who's got all the answers, someone who who can do this, who really has the heart for this. But, you know, I'm just going to stick to ministering to people after church. That's more of my, my area. That's my lane. I'm going to run in that. But the thing is that we're never going to experience God's heart for the lost if we're never putting ourselves in a position to do so. Yeah. See, the reason that there are people that wake up at 3 a.m. and cry for lost souls is because they have engaged so many lost people with the gospel that they understand God's heart for lost people. Yes, the first two times you're going to evangelize, it's going to feel heavy and it's going to be like, I don't really want to do this, I'm really uncomfortable. But let me tell you, the more you do it, the more it becomes an act of love. Because the Bible says that we speak truth in love. So I really believe that when we shift our focus from rejection to acceptance, from results to obedience, and from it being a heavy, burdensome task to an act of love, I really believe we can learn to have fun in fish. So how do we have fun in fish? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) This is how we do it. We start by letting go. We need to let go. At some point, you need to stop leaning back, and at the point of three, you need to jump. And you just need to trust that God is going to pull you into a beautiful adventure. You need to just learn to trust that rope. We just need to learn to let go. The more we step out of the way, the more it makes room for God. Another way is by celebrating the audacity. 
Like, man, you had the audacity to tell someone about Jesus. I want your faith. You know how hard that is? You know, when um, you're doing the jump, they show you that you're going to get this little certificate beforehand to say, yeah, you did the jump, well done. It's your bragging rights, you got this. You know, so they show it to you. I don't know if they think that that's, like, encouraging. It's not. Because in that moment, I couldn't care less. I was just like, yeah, I don't need a certificate if I'm dead. (laughs) And so they show us the certificate, and I really wasn't bothered by it. But let me tell you, when they were pulling me back up from the jump, I was willing to go to war for that certificate because nobody was going to tell me that I didn't just do what I just did. (laughs) And it's the same with evangelism. When we evangelize, we celebrate the audacity. No matter how it went, even if it went horrible, or even when, when it went great, we celebrate the fact that, hey, you were faithful, and you did this, you took the step, and you jumped, and nobody can take that from you. Another way is we begin living in HD. What is HD? I'll tell you. <laughs> HD. So when I uh, was being pulled back up, it takes quite a, a while for them to pull you back up. So you just get to observe the scenery, you know, relax, calm down a bit, not shake too much when you get back up. Um, and while they're pulling me back up, I start observing all my surroundings, and I can't help but think, man, were trees always that green? Were waterfalls always this beautiful? You see, what happens is that the more we do these things, the more life becomes more beautiful. And it's the same for evangelism. The more we evangelize, the more beautiful God becomes to us. We start to live in a place of HD with God. Yeah, quote me. (laughs) So we need to, so when we evangelize, we live in a new place with God, a deeper, more intimate relationship with God because we understand his love in a new way. And the last thing, the last way we can have fun in fish is feeling the full experience. I look back and I remember how before the jump, all I did was talk. Like, I did not, not a minute went by without me saying something because I was so terrified that I didn't want to give myself a chance to think because if I did, I would have pulled out. And so I look back now, and I can laugh at that because it was so silly, actually, that I did that. And for many of us, we try to reject fear. We try to, like, you know, avoid the fact that I'm feeling really scared to do this. But I want to encourage you to have the full experience, to feel the moment. Don't let fear paralyze you, but allow yourself to feel. Allow yourself to be scared and then to rejoice when everything works out. And even to feel disappointed when everything doesn't. We need to be open to feeling the full experience of evangelism. And with that, I'd like to bring Loreco back up to tell us a bit more about Jesus at the door. Awesome. What an amazing word. That truly was amazing. You know, one of the things I want to honor about Matilda is that the, the message that she was preaching is a message that she lives and we get to celebrate it and see it in our, in our office uh, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, she'll be one of the first to tell you that uh, she, you know, she, she'll preach the gospel. She doesn't have, like, these amazing stats of, like, you know, I preached to 50 people and 69 of them got saved. <laughs> you know? <laughs> those, are, those are what we call preacher stats. Those <laughs> 
she'll tell you about the many people that she preached to and how some of them ran away while she was preaching to them. How some of them flat out ignored her. How she offered to pray for people and they refused her prayers. And how some of them did get saved. And you know what we celebrate when she tells those stories? Every single bit of that story. Every single bit of it. The people who got saved, we celebrate, we glorify God. The people who didn't get saved, we celebrate her audacity in stepping out. And her willingness and her boldness to trust God and to take Him at His word. Because we're not in the habit of judging the, 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 the outcomes. We're in the habit of judging the faithfulness. We go, man... The, the, the thing that shines, that comes up before God, is that you are faithful. We get so wrapped up in the results, in the stats, that, that if I preach to three people and none of them get saved, I must be a failure as an evangelist. In fact, I'm not an evangelist. I'm an you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a undercover Christian. Um, I'm a, you know... A, very tolerant and respectful to others, Christian, at best. If the fish jumps into the boat, I'll preach to it. Because, <laughs> you know, we've got boundaries. <laughs> but what we celebrate and what we want to celebrate in one another is the audacity to step out of our comfort zones and to say, if Jesus, if this is a command that you've given us, not a suggestion, not a recommendation, not a helpful hint or a life hack, a command that you have given us, then, man, we're going to trust you and we're going to walk out that obedience. And, and, and we love to, 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 to celebrate that in one another. And whenever we see anyone in our team who's walking out that value, we, I mean, we stop the bus and we really celebrate that moment. Jesus describes, describes us as laborers who are to go out into a harvest. And, uh, and, and, and there's a harvest field, and it requires laborers. And when you go out into a harvest field as a laborer, you're either going to prepare the fields, you're going to sow the seed in the prepared field, or you're going to reap the harvest of, of your labors, right? And so we, we uh, need to kind of figure out, okay, I'm going into the, into the harvest field. Am I, am I going to, to, to prepare the field? Am I going to... To sow the seed, am I going to reap? I want to let you know about this really useful tool that Matilda has been uh, talking about. Jesus at the door, and this, this is, is a tool that the, the author of this tool, his name is Scott McNamara, and he, he describes this tool as a reaping tool. And what he means is he gives this example of you, you, you think of people as, as apples that are hanging on a tree, apples on a tree, and you go up to the tree and you preach the gospel. And because we're partnering with God, in the moment when I'm preaching the gospel, I'm sharing the gospel with this person, or with these people, God is shaking the tree. And some apples on the tree are going to fall. Some are not going to fall. And what we come to understand using this tool is that those apples that fall are the apples that are ready to fall. And we catch those apples. Those apples that are not ready to fall are apples that are not ready to fall. We don't shake and we don't force and beat the trees off the apple. And the reason evangelism has become so weird for most of us is because it becomes this weird wrestling match, right? And this weird, like, either, like, an academic intellectual debate where I'm going to cause you to submit with my mind or, or, or this, like, 
willpower, like who's got more willpower? And eventually I'm going to tire you and you're going to, you know, let me pray for you and hopefully you're going to stick around. Uh, and because of this, we feel tired, the other person feels tired, doing it does not feel like lifestyle, it feels like burdensome, and so we run away. But what we fail to see when we take that stance is we fail to see our part in this whole great adventure. It is God who brings in his harvest. It, 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 it is God, the Bible says that no man comes to God unless he calls him. But he still needs us to go out as laborers into the harvest field. And so we preach, he shakes, those that are ready to fall, they fall, and we're there, we catch them. And, and those that are not ready to fall, we bless them, we love them, we pray for them, but we don't force anything on them. We recognize that uh, there, 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 there are some people that I'm going to have more long-term engagement with, and there are some people that, through my obedience, God is going to bring into the kingdom today. A good way to test, is this person ready today, or is this person somebody that I'm going to walk with over a time, specifically talking about people that you would see on a regular basis, is this tool. So this was something that you can use because you met somebody in a mall randomly, or it's something that you can use in your family, in the workplace, residential area, what have you. Because as you, as you use this tool, which is basically a card with some statements and some questions that you go up to somebody and you read the card to them. You don't preach to them, you don't Bible bash them, you read the card to them and you, and, they, and you walk them through a process of logic and you get to the place where you ask them the question of whether they want to give their lives to Jesus or not. Somebody will say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. You can pray with him. No, I don't want to follow Jesus. You know that that person, that's not an apple that's ready to fall off today. That doesn't mean that I go, geez, you wasted my time, and off I go and I find the next person. That means that I can, I can pray for that person if they're willing to receive prayer. I can bless them. If there's opportunity for me to uh, keep in contact and have a, a more ongoing conversation with them until the point where they're ready, then I can do that. But in that moment, I know that this was, this was not a harvest field. This was a, a sowing field. Uh, but, there, but there are many, many harvest fields that are ready for us to enter into today. And, and Jesus alluded to that when he said, lift up your eyes and look, the harvest is white and is ripe for the harvest. Great. So, but before, before I take you through this really quick and show you how easy it is to do this, I want to address something that sometimes is a little bit of a block for us when it comes to uh, sharing the gospel. And that's that, you know, when, when we uh, meet somebody uh, after church or in a mall or on a mission, it, it, it's still intimidating to, pre to share the gospel with that person. But it feels a little bit easier because I can take the risk. And if it bombs, you know, cheers. Bye, and I never have to see you again. But if this is somebody that I see on a fairly regular basis, maybe a colleague, I feel like I have to be so much more careful around this because if this bombs, I've lost relational capital. I, 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 you know, I have to still have to show face tomorrow. How are we going to? It's going to be a whole awkward situation. How is it going to affect my work, etc.? So we have all these things that we allow to kind of disqualify whether or not we should actually share the gospel with somebody at work in our home, wherever somebody that we see on a regular basis. And 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 the reason, or a large part of the reason why this happens, is because we get into our own heads, right? And we start to count the reasons why this is this is a bad idea. And so typically. 
I work with Matilda, and Matilda's not saved. I've been trying. Uh, but, but Matilda's not saved. I'm praying, and I finally work up the courage, and, I'm, and I go and I have a conversation with Matilda, and uh, man, it does not go well. Because Matilda asked me some questions about you know, evolution. She asked me questions about the Big Bang theory. She asked me questions about if there are contradictions in the Bible, all of these, and I couldn't answer any of them. And the, the, the conversation ended awkwardly. I walk away. I feel bad. I feel embarrassed. I feel like she thinks I'm dumb. I feel like I embarrassed Jesus because I couldn't answer all the questions. I forget that Jesus never asked me to be an expert in anything. He only asked for my obedience. I forget all of that. And I walk away and I feel like that was a complete and utter failure. I'm never going to do that again. On top of that, I still have to show up to work tomorrow. (laughs) Jesus, this is why I don't listen to you. (laughs) Now I I show up to work tomorrow because I kind of have to. And, uh, and, And I'm walking in and I'm working up the courage. And here's Matilda walking towards me. What do I do? I duck behind the first pillar that I can find. And I hide and I hope that she didn't see me, and I'm avoiding her for the rest of the day. If we happen to meet each other, minimal eye contact. If we talk, we refer nothing to yesterday. It's as if it never happened. I'm going to live out this shame for the next few weeks and months before we can become natural again. And then we're just never going to go there, right? And that's my whole plan. Here's the problem with this plan. I am processing from the point of, of feeling the shame and feeling embarrassed and feeling like I let her down, I let Jesus down, I let myself down. She is not processing from that same point of view. Her vantage point is seeing me pull away. So what is her understanding of what just happened? Typical Christian. She, he came and he spoke to me about his Christian things. It didn't go the way he wanted, and now he's distancing himself. Judgment. Don't you find that's how people tend to experience us? Christians are so judgmental. You're controlling. You're this, you're that. And you didn't, you, don't, you didn't get your way, so I became disposable to you. So I think I'm like, I'm trying to avoid a weird situation between the two of us. And sometimes I'm even thinking I'm saving her from the weirdness that I'm feeling. I'm not. All she's getting is judgment. All she's getting is, is condemnation in a sense that, that, that she's no longer good enough for me. Or, or to be in my life, or, or for us to relate. She's no longer deserving of my time. Whereas beforehand, I seemed, like, I seemed to be intentional to want to try and have coffee with her. Clearly, I had an agenda. And that's where we... Now, now her heart is closed now. Even if I were to pray up the courage to have a, a follow-up conversation in some weeks, man, that, heart, that, that, that window's gone. However, in the same way that... I had the primary responsibility to start a conversation with her. Remember, she's not saved. She has no responsibility to, or, or expectation to start a conversation with me, a gospel conversation. I, as a Christian, have a responsibility to start a gospel conversation with her. In the same way that I had that responsibility, I also have a responsibility to set the atmosphere after that conversation. I'm not looking to her to set the atmosphere. I'm not looking to her to go, I'm going to observe her to see. If she's distant, then I'll be distant. If she's still nice to me, then I'll be nice to her. Uh, No, I have the primary responsibility, and I have to take the first step. So when I see her tomorrow after we had that conversation, I'm not ducking behind a pillar. I'm setting the tone. Hey, Matilda, good morning. Good to see you. 
you know what? We had that conversation yesterday, and man, you knocked me for a six. I should tell you, you asked me some questions that got me thinking. I actually stayed up for a while last night, and I was looking up some of the things, and I know I couldn't answer everything, but I looked up some stuff. I asked some people. I came across some interesting things that I think you'll want to know about. Let's have lunch. I'm going to tell you all about them, but I need to go now. Hey, completely different atmosphere. Completely different context now. When we see each other later on, even if it's before the lunch, even if the lunch doesn't happen today, neither of us are weird. Neither of us feel like somebody failed an arm wrestling match. We both feel like, okay, we engaged. We engaged on something. I didn't have all the answers. I, came, I went and I, and I read up because I'm interested, and I come back and I'm like, I'm front foot forward about it. I didn't know everything, but I have some things that you might want to be, you, you might, you might, want to know about. Let's have lunch. If you've got time today, let's do it today or, or, or tomorrow, whenever. But it's, it's really cool. I'm going to tell you about it. I think, I think it's going to blow your mind. I've, I've taken the first step in setting the tone in that, um, in that relationship. That window is going to remain wide open for, for the gospel between the two of us. Right. So this tool is a really brilliant tool that helps you get out of your own way and let Jesus be Jesus. What I mean by that is really the full expectation of using this is for you to read. If you can read a little bit of this, if you can't read and you can get someone to, to read this stuff for you and you memorize it, you're just as good. I want to give you a, 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 an example. So I, I want to ask if, um, if, if somebody can help me in, in this. Um, I, I'm going I'm to... Um, Embarrass somebody that I met yesterday. Tinsualo. Um, she drops her head. Come. Come. Give her a hand as she comes up. I met Tinsualo I met at a hike that we were at yesterday. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the guys are here also in the, in the south of Joburg. Learned some, some awesome things about her, that she's recently joined, uh, joined the church some... So, beginning of the year, she's already in a connect group, getting plugged in, loving it. Awesome, yeah. And she came out and hung out with us at the hike because, you know, we value family, and that's what we do. So it was awesome. So, Tinsala, you're going to help me with this. So you're going you're gonna to pretend like you don't know Jesus. Okay. Okay. Unless you actually don't know Jesus, in which case, don't pretend. <laughs> I don't know, you know. <laughs> And you're at the mall, you're walking around, you're minding your own business. Mm -hmm. And here I come along, and I, um, I, I've got this card with me, and I step up to you. Hi, how are you? What's your name? Tensalo. Hi, Tensalo. My name is Lireko. Can, can I speak with you for two minutes quickly? Um, all right. Cool. Have you, have you ever seen this picture before, and do you pray? Um, no and no. Awesome. So, um, this, this is Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. And you can see here... The knob for, to open is on the inside, and this is the door of your heart. And so basically only you can let him in. He can knock, but you can let him in. So lots of people pray, and you mentioned that you don't even pray, but lots of people pray. But praying is like talking through the door. You know he's there somewhere, but you don't know him personally. So if I ask you to visualize quickly, visualize wearing a backpack. If we filled it with all your sin, would it be heavy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of, for a lot of us. Um, and that represents your debt with God. It stops you from having a relationship with him. That's what he wants. He doesn't want your religion. If you owed the bank 150000 
and I gave you a check for that amount and you deposited it into your account, what would happen to your debt? I would go away. Exactly. That's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He wrote you a check, signed it in his blood, and today he's standing at the door of your heart wanting you to cash it in. So if Jesus were here right now, would you let him in? Yeah, I'd open the door. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Can, can you see the wind? You can't see the wind, right? No. But you can feel it. You can feel the wind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. Like the wind, Jesus is here right now. You, you can't see him, but you can, you can feel him. Yeah, I get can, can I pray for you to feel his presence? All right. Cool. Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Mm-hmm. This is important. This is what lawsuits are made of. So, (laughs) (laughs) unless yeah, unless you get saved, in which case I get away with it. (laughs) Father, thank you for Tinsalo. Thank you that you have a plan for her life. Thank you that even this moment was appointed before you. I ask that you would be real before her now. I ask Holy Spirit that you would allow her to sense your presence in her body, working and overflowing. I ask that you would touch her in a special way, in an undoubtable way that she would feel and she would sense your presence. Speak to her, show her visions, allow your, your words to come into her, to her mind, just that your presence would well up even from inside of her and overflow. And that it would be undoubted that you are touching her now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 How did that feel? It felt great. Yeah? yeah? For reals, for reals? No, for reals, for reals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, for the, for the last thing. Now, you, 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 you felt his presence. You know he's here. To, in order to turn away from the road that you're on without Jesus and change direction and follow him, do you want to make the decision right now to follow him? Right now. Okay, right yes, now. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. The good news is it's so easy to make that decision. I'm going to ask you to follow to say this prayer with me. And if you'll say this prayer with me, you're beginning on the journey to follow Jesus. All right. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I open the door of my heart. I open the door of my heart. I say sorry for my sin. I say sorry for my sin. I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you. And make you the Lord of my life. And make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Please give Tinsuala a round of applause. Just, just check in on her afterwards because we're not sure if she just got saved for real. How, how much time did that take? No ways that was 15 minutes. That was like five minutes. Five minutes of my life, and I preached the gospel. Five minutes, uh, I, d- I didn't have to memorize massive sc- amounts of scripture. I didn't preach to her. Um, I didn't take her out of her way too much. Um, and if I-, I can carry on with my groceries. If, um, if she had said to me that she's not interested, have you seen this picture and do you pray? What is this about? Well, you know, Jesus. Yo, Jesus. Like... <laughs> Okay, thank you, thank you so much for your time. Um, would you mind if I pray for you? No. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye. That's it. That's it. I go on to the next person. No judgment, no condemnation. I'm not making that person feel bad. Uh, somebody else is going, ah, I can't. 
I don't want to talk about this. Can I pray for you? What, right now? In, in, in the th- you, can, you can pray for me later in your home. Okay, cool. I'll pray for you later. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Bye. I'm not trying to force anyone to have a conversation with me. I'm not trying to force anyone to stay in the conversation with me. For as long as they're willing to answer the questions, I'll keep asking. The moment they're not willing to is the moment I stop asking. And I say, can I pray for you? God bless you. Have a phenomenal day. I want you to know that God, you know, Jesus loves you. Bye. Cheers. And I, and I go and I find somebody else. Hey, how are you? Have you seen this picture before and do you pray? And then I, you know, maybe they, we, we get to the part where I start talking about sins. Whoa, this is a bit heavy. You know, it's heavier than I thought it would. Okay, God bless you. God loves you. Have a phenomenal day. If somebody seems like they're not keen to engage, but they're willing to remain in contact with you, okay, maybe you have some questions that I could answer. Would you mind if we exchange contact details? You know, if contact details is, is a little bit too close to home, um, if I, you know, you're, can I find you on Facebook? I'll, I'll friend you on Facebook and just so that we can stay in touch and, um, and hopefully we can meet up or chat online or something. Cheers, bye. It's very non-intrusive, non-like... Um, strong arming or anything of that sort. Does that seem like something that you can do? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Masi. Twelvers, does that seem like something that you can do? Yes. We'll put that to the test just now. Here's what I want you to do. Partner with the person next to you. This is a safe space. They're most likely already saved. If not, then just work through this process. By the time they get to the end, they will likely be saved. Um, and, and so what, what I want you to do is, we, we, we've got the questions up, but we also um, are going to put the, the Wi-Fi passcode on, on, the, on the screen because there is a Jesus at the Door app that you can download in your Play Store, uh, and that has this card on it. It also has a whole bunch of other materials and training tools and videos of people using this tool. So you can have a look at it and, and, uh, and, and just get a little bit more comfortable with how to use it. So you can either have a card. I prefer walking around with a card. I have, I have this in my car. Or you can have it on your phone. I also have it on my phone. So I can pull it out of my phone and I can go, you know, have you seen this picture and do you pray? And start the conversation. So we're going to have a little bit of a practice right now in this safe space. And so you're going to partner with the person next to you. It can be the per- somebody you know, the person you came with. I know normally we say, find somebody you've never met before person that's closest to you, look at them, look friendly, um, and, uh, and in three minutes, I want you to try and do it in three minutes, uh, greet them, hi, what's your name, this is my name, have you seen this picture, and do, and, and, uh, and do you pray, and then work through the questions, and then give them the opportunity to do the same back to you. Okay, so hopefully you've got the password because we're, we're going to ask just to put the questions back up for anybody who wants the questions.
Guys, when you pray for, the, for your partner, actually pray for them. Actually pray for them to feel the presence of God. And then ask them, what, how did you feel? How was that? How, how many salvations? No salvations. Okay, we've got, we got one over here. Awesome. All right. So, so one of the keys in using this tool one of the things I want to highlight in using this tool is you know I Remember using it and, and approaching somebody and saying, can I, can I speak with you for a few minutes? And, the, and his response was, as long as it's an actual few minutes, I like, guarantee you, few minutes. And we did this in a, in a, in, in, in a few minutes. Um, we, did it, we did it in a few minutes because I, I did the card. I didn't do what, what I did the first few times, which was the card plus me. 
you know, so the, the card plus, like, I'm going to, like, flavor it, and I'm going to add my own spice, and I'm going to share my stuff and my testimony, and I'm going to explain this, and I'm going to start, you know, with the universe, and then I'm going to talk about Isaiah, and, um, and then I'm going to give context, because they must understand, I must give context. 30 minutes later, the poor person is, like, ready to, like, faint, so, just so they can get out of this conversation. The power of using the Jesus, Jesus at the door tool is in getting out of the way. Resist the urge to overexplain, to contextualize, to justify, to quote, just read, just do the card. Just do the card. In fact, I would say to you, strictly the first few times you do it, just go up to somebody and read the card. Feel silly, but read the card. Because it's not about your silliness. The, the, the challenge here is to get out of the way. Just, st- just stand there. Okay, go. Have you seen this picture before? And do you literally eat, work through the silliness and just read the card? The testimonies are overwhelming, guys. It works. It, we, we could not quote to you the number of testimonies of people who have, who have brought people into the kingdom. Children who have brought people into the kingdom just by going up to adults and other adults and going and excuse me, can I read? Can I? And they read the card. The first time, the very first time I did it, man, this card was doing this. I was shaking. These guys were disrupting. These guys, they were sitting there. They're like chilling, um, having a picnic, and there we are. And and like they, they look so bored, and they just wanted us to get. And I'm just like, I can't read it probably because I shake, but <laughs> but I'm doing it. <laughs> And when I walked away, I mean, I was, I was relieved that it was over. And obviously, they didn't give their lives to the Lord. I don't, I, they didn't even let me finish the whole thing. But I was like, I did it. I destroyed a little bit of the flesh. I did it. Um, and, and that's the key. This whole week, guys, look for opportunities to destroy a little bit of the flesh. So not, don't worry about how many people got through the whole card, or how many people got saved? Rack up the stats of how many people did you engage, because that is going to help you to destroy the flesh. The more you do it, the more you get over yourself. And the more of yourself you get over, the more space there is for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.